You're listening to the Extra Point Show on WGR Sports Radio 550. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out with you for the next two hours. We'll talk, of course, a little bit of football as well, because I kind of want to jump into Jeremy's point of trading up for Marvin Harrison Jr. I think it's insane. Pretty crazy, isn't it? I think it's insane, (laughs) but I will tell you, I saw his tweet this morning, and I immediately went back to my thought process in 2014 when the Bills traded for Sammy Watkins. We'll we'll dive more into that story in a little bit. I was feral. (laughs) In a a good way or a bad way? In a great way. I was so excited, (laughs) and I knew it was a bad idea. You know, how old was I in 2014? 15, 16-ish? Probably 15. Yeah. That, yeah, 15, 16. So I, like, I had a, an understanding of like, oh, shouldn't be trading next year's first round pick in a, in a deep wide receiver class. I don't care. They got Sammy Watkins. It was, it was, it's really funny you bring that up because that's the first NFL draft that I like kind of followed along with because that's when I started getting into football. Okay, yep. It was around that year. And I remember them drafting him and and a lot of people were like, "Oh, like this is great. They were aggressive. They're going to move up." And I was like, "Cool. They're like, getting they're getting cool. E, they're getting EJ. They're guys. <laughs> like, oh yeah." And then and then I remember like, "Oh, never mind. That yeah, didn't it work at all. It went south." But hey, you know, I I so, jumped in at the right time. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that as well. But where we want to start today, Josh, you put it out yesterday. I've quote tweeted it today to kind of like just like yo, hey. Remember, we're on now. <laughs> the Sabres, man. Just all oh, the Sabres. They lose 4-3 to the Anaheim Ducks. They lose their two games against the Ducks this year. The Ducks only have 20 wins this season. To be fair, the Sabres have 24. Yes, but so. the Ducks are truly a bad organization. No, they yeah, are not right. good. And, it's again, it's one of those performances. It, I, I heard a lot of people talking about it yesterday, that it was a performance a lot like last year, where they're dominating, you know, Puck possession. They put up, I think, 37 shots, 37. 38 shots. They look good. You know, they're doing all right. They're and they lose. You know, defensive turnovers, really just sloppy defensive play overall, and then really bad goaltending play, which is something they have not had to worry about in what feels like a month and a half, almost two months, with how UPL has been playing. But man, like it just, it's getting, it's not getting better. They are still a team that cannot put together good performances. They just can't. And we're now at a point, Josh, and this is where I'm at, and this is where I kind of want to lead tonight, uh, today. Granado is out of answers. I mean, when your whole thing in the post game is to get snippy with reporters and they go, the scoring's going to come back, the scoring's going to come back, and that's your answer to it? Even though, what, we talked about it in December or November – when he basically realized, yeah, we probably shouldn't have gone the defensive game as aggressively as we did. We we probably should have, you know, kept with what we were doing and what was working last year. It's tough for me to sit here and go, yeah, I still got faith in Granado. I'm already somebody that's leery on Adams. I don't love his inactivity. I don't love the fact that his trades are essentially getting rid of Eichel because effectively he had to. Right. And getting Krebs and Tuck, which for the most part, worked. Krebs, Krebs has looked great the past couple games that he's been with. Don't Benson. love, though, that he's been like their best offensive player, or at least looks like their best well, offensive player. I, I wouldn't say he's been their best offensive player. He's just looked he's looked different. Like It looks like he's mm-hmm. a refreshed player playing with actual offensive talent because for his whole time on the Sabres, he's basically been stapled to one of, yeah. or both of, Kyle Ocposo and Zemgus Gergensen's, which... 
the worst line imaginable. At, at first, it looked like, okay, great. Like, you have a scrappy forward, a young mm-hmm. guy playing with a couple veterans. Like, it's going to be good for him. And then it was, all right, well, now we're year two. We should probably move him off of him. Oh, nope. He's going to stay with them. <laughs> nope. And now we're in year three of it. And it's, okay, well, you've basically just stunted his offensive growth. And let's try to put him with someone offensive now. Oh, look, he's doing great. Yeah, because I mean, because that's in. what he's supposed to he do. He came in at what? I think he was twenty years old when he when he joined the Sabers, maybe nineteen. But he came in as like one of their best pure passers. Yep. That he looked like he could be a legitimate playmaker in the NHL. But you're right; like they put him on the least offensive line the Sabers had. There I would was no say goal one of the least threat. offensive lines in the NHL. Yeah, there was no real <laughs> scoring threat there. And so you're right; like they stunted his growth immediately. Look, Tuck worked last year. This year. Him and Thompson's inability to do really anything has been a big factor in why the Sabres can't score. Mm-hmm. But So in yeah. his first year with the Sabres, Krebs played 48 games, had 22 points. Mm-hmm. Looked like it was kind of going the right direction. Yeah. Last year, he played 74 games and had 26 points. You played double the games and you scored four more points. I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... You're going through a new season, like it's you're moving around the lineup. The last year he moved around the lineup kind of a bit, but more in the bottom six role yeah. with Akposo, Gergensons, um, Tyson Jost, like mm-hmm. guys like that, where it was like, Yeah, you're not really in the offensive role. This year, in fifty three games played, he has ten points. Oh. Three goals, seven assists. And I just wonder, like, why are they putting him now with Benson and Paterka, I think it was? Yep, yep. Yeah. And why are they doing that now, for one? And two, why has he looked so much better? Because I, Well, for the first part, I think a lot of it is just like, they've got to try something. Right, true. And the second part is, he's still one of your better passers. He's exactly. still one of your better-looking playmakers. Yes, and that's the thing. You put him with a high-flying forward like Paterka, you put him with a young, hungry, scrappy guy like Benson, mm-hmm. who has the offensive talent, and that's... You're, like, that's what he needs to be around. That's what he needs to play with. That's Krebs in a nutshell is playing with those kinds of players because he's not the guy that's going to have a crazy shot and make an insane goal. Like he doesn't have a shot. Well, like, except when I when I go to Sabres games, well, right. he, he typically that's scores true. when I show up, which is just weird. <laughs> he he doesn't have a shot like Tage Thompson. He doesn't have the you know wow factor of making some crazy play with mm-hmm. you know by himself getting away from three guys. But he just has the ability to be where he needs to be and make a great pass. Mm-hmm. And that's something you haven't been able to see because of who he's been playing with. And yeah. that's the most frustrating part out of all this is because, yeah, you're going to have p- players on your team that are, you know, Arposo and Gergensen-esque, where they're, you know, the bottom six guys, they're the grinder type where you go out there and you trying know, to just be physical and hit, stuff like block that. shots, kill yeah. a penalty, things like that. Get a goal every once in a while, maybe a couple assists here and mm-hmm. there, but you don't put a young offensive talent with, with guys like that for long. You maybe do it every once in a while, but you don't do that for in two seasons, two seasons, three seasons almost now. Yeah. And that, I mean, I, I'm hyper fixated on Krebs here, but it's just, it's kind of like a, it's a small part of a bigger picture of what's been going wrong this season and last season, too. I mean, if you want to say last season was a problem. Last season was a great improvement. You were one point out of a playoff spot, and everyone had a career year. But is that what it was? Is it Was it just career years for everybody, and this is – are you regressing to the mean? 
Well, and, is and this Paul the average? It up yesterday with with Bulldog and Nate too of like we're going to find out now. Like, what season is the anomaly? Is it last season or yep. is it this year? I mean, the usual answer, and I think it's usually the correct answer, is it's a bit of both. Right? Like, you know, maybe Thompson is not a 94-point player year in and year out. Maybe 70? 75? He, he shouldn't be a 50-point player, right. which is what he's, his trajectory is this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to have a single player hit 30 goals. Paterka might get close. Yeah, and I think he's at twenty. Yeah, and Paterka's been your sole bright spot this year, aside from goaltending with Lukanen. Mm-hmm. But and, and that's the thing too. Yesterday with Lukanen, I don't put, I put maybe one goal on him. I, I will confess, I did fall asleep in the second period mm-hmm. and woke up like halfway through the third. So yeah, you text I, me I, like, what happened? Yeah, I, I, I'm. It's the 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 positives and negatives of waking up at four in the morning, of course. But I, I just I woke up and it's like it's four three, and you're out shooting them. 37 to 15? Mm-hmm. Like, what? I'm sorry. What happened? And then I go back and I look, and like one goal was on Lucan, and I think it was the Terry goal where it just kind of gets through him. But I, I look at the, the, the goal where Eric Johnson passes it out to the to just nobody, oh. centers it for Anaheim, essentially. Like, that's a guy who at the beginning of the season is, is all about, oh, team defense, team defense. And he's one of their biggest, doing? He's like, one of their biggest contributors to the defense being right. bad. And I get it. Johnson has his moments on the penalty kill and blocking mm-hmm. shots and whatever. Yep. And I I will come out and say I was one of the ones that was very excited when he signed here. You were stoked. I was elated that he signed here. But it's clearly not working. No, he's, it's, he's, it's you're, bad. He's the worst defenseman on your team, and that team includes Jacob Bryson. Who actually, they, Who, okay, they play yeah, well I, with him. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, 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 it's I'm, weird. I'm very hard on Jacob Bryson, but it's... It's just out of like I don't know who else to pin it on in in the other years, but this year he's been great. They were like they're like six and one with him in the lineup. Mm-hmm. But with Johnson, it's just it's the point of where's the accountability? Like you're you're saying team defense, team defense, and then you you yourself are not adhering to that. Yeah, and and again, it's a small part of a bigger picture of everyone is kind of on like different pages. You have Tage and 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 Dylan Cousins and. I I don't want to say Jack Quinn because he's been hurt, but you have those guys where it's okay, like you know we've done this before, we can do it again, we just got to do it. And then you have you know Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson just not being there not on be, defense, and, not being what you expected to sign. And I, I I see, I wonder though, like that's to me, I don't want to say malpractice. That's that's an aggressive push, but. This is where I am nervous about Adams as a GM. His moves this offseason were to sign those two defensemen and to bring back Oposo and, and Gergensons. And to be to be those fair, those were the moves. That to, was it. To be fair, Clifton on paper was a great signing in terms yeah. of the analytics and not in terms of the stats necessarily. He could look the only thing that is like you know now if we would have seen it back then we would have been like hey maybe we got to be a little more wary about it, but. Was his ice time in Boston? He didn't play. Well, he he was riding the bench from much of the end of the season, right? So that's where you you can just kind of raise an eyebrow. But in terms of the analytics that were there, the Clifton signing looked great out of the gate. The Johnson one, it was more of a hey, this guy's a veteran. He's a former first round or first overall pick. He's been in the league for years. He's won a cup. Like it's all those things that are you know, hey, that's great. This guy wants to come here. That's a step in the right direction. But he's 36. He 
doesn't look and he looks at like yeah he looks he, 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 yeah that's right and I just I I, I wonder about the Ocposo and Gergensen signings at this point too because it's it's ridiculous it, it's, it is it's it's ridiculous and it's soft by the organization right it's it's it, they're not serious. What and I'm being serious. What have those two done outside of being nice PR guys and, and because leaders, but, quote unquote? That, and exactly that's why I'm saying PR guys, right? Because have they really been leaders? The Sabres been awful when they've been here. Awful. Oposo made the playoffs once with the Islanders or twice. To be to, to be fair with Oposo, it a lot of it was injuries. Absolutely. There's there's a lot Absolutely. of there's a lot to unpack with him specifically in terms of when he came here. It was. Hey, the Sabres signed a high high octane guy with a great shot. Absolutely. And he looked great when he first got here and then he gets hurt. And you can't predict that. You can't, but then there's also a time of okay, it's time to move on. Exactly. That's and, the point. And this is a soft organization that wants to be too family friendly in everything they do. Why are they here? You had built-in captains in Tuck, in Darlene. You've brought up Thompson, Tage, Dylan Cousins. You've had young leaders who were building towards something. But no, let's bring back the old guys who, as you pointed out, have essentially stunted Peyton Krebs, who was the jewel of the Eichel trade. It was not Tuck. Tuck came in as like the, he's going to help now, but Krebs is the first-round pick. He's he's their favorite prospect, the whole thing. He's going to be the guy hopefully going forward. You killed that. I mean, I, I, I will say... I, I wouldn't say that Krebs was, like, way up here. I think it was more even. In, and you, you also have to take in the other picks you got, too. The of, first, course, of course, of course. The first rounder and the second Isaac round. Roseanne in that, I believe. Or was it the, Noah Austin? No, the first rounder became Yuri Kulik. Oh, it became Yuri Kulik. That's right. That's so, right. But, but like, I, I think in that Eichel trade, you look at, like, you want to value each person differently and each thing differently. Obviously, you trade the second away to get Jordan Greenway, which yes. it's it's worked well, out. Well, that's actually... I, I wish they were having better. a better season because Greenway, in I think forty three games played, forty three games played, he's got nineteen points, but he's scored six goals in the last twelve games. He's right. really come along. He, he's he's in a normal season, he's came alive at the right time. Yeah, but my my point was there was you look at that Eichel trade, and I think everything that came back kind of like equals out in value of like Tuck is great right now, Krebs is going to be great in the future, but they're about the same. And same with that first rounder mm-hmm. that eventually becomes Yuri Kulik. Yeah. And the second rounder that helps then, out getting but, Jordan Green. So let's bring up Yuri Kulik then. You bringing those two back has mm-hmm. not allowed you to bring back some or bring up some of these forwards who are dominating Rochester. Like it's it, it's it's insane to me that like essentially they've decided the only two forwards that can come up and stay up are Jack Quinn and JJ Paderka, which has worked for them. Quinn in 17 games played this year had 12 points. That poor guy with injuries, if it weren't for injuries, he's having an, 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 a stellar year. And maybe because he could have been a guy, I mean, when just again, you look at the production, he might be a guy that's looking at 40 goals, 30 goals. You have him and Paterka both having great years. Maybe we aren't you know, complaining about the scoring as much. They're probably not a great team, but maybe they are a good team. Maybe they're close in the playoffs. I don't know because Quinn looks like he could be that kind of player, especially with this injury not being as bad as the Achilles was. That could be nice, but it's just, to me, it's a soft move. It's a baby move. It is this feeling of the feel-good, like they're going to put out another PR video when we get to next season where they play great music and they, they're going to take it back to 05-06 when they were good. We're going to hear some RJ calls when they were good, and we'll all get excited again, and then they're going to be bad again. Because what have they done? What have they proven to you outside of they sign everybody back? 
which I guess is nice because when you look back at the Drury Briere years, they didn't do that. So I guess that's a positive. Right. But they're not adding anything. They're not doing anything in the trade deadline. I, spoiler alert. I, I read to the end of the book. They're not, they're not going to add anybody in the trade deadline. They're simply not. Probably in free agency for the sheer fact that if you do bring back a Poso and Gergensons, there will be riots in downtown Buffalo. But even at the time when they made those moves, everyone was sitting there going, why? What's the point? All they brought back was veteran leadership, which I still think is BS. You already had captains growing. Why bring them back? There is a thing with captains of they also have to kind of perform on ice, on the court, on the field. They can't just be the nice guy that like everyone goes to because he's a leader. They have to somewhat perform. Those two can't perform. You'll get a play by Gergensen's every 20 game where you're like, yeah, there's the grizzled vet because he skated faster than like <laughs> the 20-year-olds for 15 seconds. Or Oposo will score like a hat trick out of left field and everyone's like, oh, so he made a deal with the devil because that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> that, that's, that's the Sabres. Them right now is we don't make any moves. I don't simply know why. They're going to sign back Casey Middlestat even though he's like their one good trade piece. And again, let's be serious. If you're not trading Middlestat, then you better trade one of the prospects. Well, that's that's the thing with Middlestat. I want to bring that up because when I put out my tweet yesterday, my I wanted to put it in more words, but you have to character limit and everything, is I'm at the point of just why. Like why is everything the way it is with the Sabres? Why have – Players regress the way they have. Why has management and coaching and even owners, why have they just sat there while everything else is going on around them and it just kind of seemed like the lights are on but nobody's home? Why is everything well, that's changing that, staying the same? Then you have that with the coach where they don't really add anything of substance and he goes, we're going to go defensive. That's their whole plan was, well, the defense is bad, so we're going to just stop the scoring and everyone's going to get real defensive. You just stop the whole flow of the team. The whole flow of the team just died. Right, and that because that was your thing. That was your. It was. It was. We're going to be fun. We're going to be exciting. We're going to outscore our mistakes. And Granado brought that up this morning when he was on with Jeremy and Sal. Of he he said, I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing here because I don't remember the exact quote, but mm-hmm. it's it's basically along the lines of just because we can outscore our mistakes doesn't mean we should make mistakes. Which I agree. I get that. Don't don't make mistakes because then you make more work for yourself. But don't let the don't hyper fixate on okay we we we've scored one goal mm-hmm. we just have to shell up and and that's not what they've done but it's felt like that for most of the season of as soon as they come out in the first period it's all right we're playing light and easy because we don't want to make a mistake we got to we got to and they go back. down to nothing and then they go down to nothing because I, really and if you, they don't understand the defensive system i i don't care if you're down every first period or if you're up every first period 3 to 2 mm-hmm. if you can score three goals and get scored on twice i don't care i would much rather take that over like if you're letting in two goals every first period, you should be scoring two or three goals yourself. And the like that's thing that's is, why it should be happening. Most of this year they've gotten good goaltender play. So if they played like last year, they'd be just fine. They'd be very good. Yeah. And that's but, the thing that's the thing too is Lukanen has one bad day. He has one day yep. where it's like, man, like you really needed to make a couple saves there. But it's also you're giving them golden chances in front of the net. There was out, out of their 15 shots they had 11 scoring chances. Yeah. That's insane. And Lukanen made 11 saves. And I bet you most of those scoring chances were these big, crazy saves that he makes. And then a couple of them squeak through because it's he's human. Like, 
Every goaltender well, yeah, has yeah, their he was, day. He's been one of, if not the best goaltender for the last month and a half in the NHL. Right. And that's the frustrating part, too, is because this is the time of the year you need that to happen. You need your goalie yeah. to just kind of come alive. And, again, if you would have – if ifs and buts, if you would have had that last year, you would be, mm-hmm. hey, the playoff drought was ended. You know, this year they came back down from it. Like, it, it's whatever. You it's know, brutal. hey, we'll, we'll, we'll bounce back. But it's – you're looking at it completely differently because of – the way things ended last year and the way things have gone this season. And it's just, it's so frustrating. It, it's, it's frustrating I mean, to me. Yeah, I'm running out of words because I'm just so, like, it, it's so frustrating. It's frustrating to me because yesterday, in again, in the postgame, like, you have a coach that's just going there and just blanket statement, the scoring's going to come back. Okay, but how? Your specialty, your power play, right. it, the entire strategy is just a one-timer for Thompson. That's your entire strategy. There's no substance there. There's nothing. They're just skating around. Well, the other the other thing I wanted to bring up, when, like I said, I brought I brought up that tweet that I put out yesterday, and I had a few people reply. I want to get to one of them here. John tweeted in, and this is us getting connected with our fans. Brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at northtownkia.com. John tweeted, "I have a better question because my question was why, very very blunt and yeah, oh yeah. out there." Oh yeah. His question was, "I have a better question. Is there a single player under Granado's watch that has actually developed properly?" Sure, Middlestat has had a nice season, but every single one of them is inconsistent and lazy as hell. Can understand that. I I want to talk about Casey Middlestat specifically because mm-hmm. this got me thinking. With Middlestat, when you first brought him into the league, you took basically a high schooler and said, go play NHL. Yeah, you rushed the hell out of it. It wasn't like you had Connor McDavid. It wasn't like you had Austin Matthews or Connor Bedard. You had... A eighth overall pick mm-hmm. who had a good World Juniors, and you said, "All right, cool, go play NHL hockey." Because and you it need didn't to put butts work. in seats, right? And it didn't work, and it took that regime longer to figure out. Hey, we should probably put him down mm-hmm. in the AHL and let him properly develop. And now that he properly develops into what he was marketed as a, you know, not a Austin Matthews where he's scoring three hat tricks every game. But it's, hey, Casey Middlestat had a three-point night. Hey, Casey Middlestat scored two goals here. He had four points there. He's a playmaker. Yeah, he's a playmaker, exactly. He, he just grabs points here, there, yeah. and everywhere. And then all of a sudden you look and, oh, wow, he's leading our team in points. Yeah, he's, got, he's sitting at 44 right now. I honestly think that Casey Middlestat is the only player that has developed properly under Don Granato. And I don't think it started – I don't think it's – Ben just Granado. It started before he got here. Well, yeah, because well, that's the thing too. Like we always talk about, Darlene having to be fixed. That post was the Kruger stuff. Middlestat also had to be fixed post really the start of his career. Right. So, so I will say like that development started when he was in Rochester, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Granado kind of finished that off. So I, I'll give him that. I think that or Middlestat has kind of evolved into the player that you wanted him to be. Yeah. And that's why I don't think you should trade him. Because now you finally have someone that you drafted that's became something. Yeah. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm fine with that. I am absolutely fine with not trading Middlestat. Then you better trade some of these forwards. Right. I'm, I've been I'm, saying it for months now. Why is Matt Savoy still a part of this organization? Right. Nothing against him. But, well, you, dra- but you drafted his compatriot in Zach Benson, who immediately made the NHL, has looked very good, looks like he's going to be a future star, and Savoy, due to injuries that really are not his fault, has not really been able to do much. His value is decreasing every single day that we go on. And that's, that's and where's he going to fit? Where's he going to make the roster? That's where I'm worried, though, with, with Savoy specifically, is, we again, I don't want to be the cop-out answer here, but 
we can all sit here and say, trade this guy, trade that guy. It doesn't, it's not going to happen unless teams are calling on them. If you can't get someone to want them, then it's not going to happen and you just have to accept it. But we will not know that. No, unless, and, and, unless and someone comes out, part, unless yeah. someone comes out and says it. Yeah, but but, but that's and that's that's the thing that will always frustrate me about the NHL compared to like the likes of the NBA. Right. The NBA is oh, almost man. trade happy. I mean, look the at NHL, LeBron James. Yeah, like LeBron James came out the other day and said, "Yeah, I knew I wasn't going to get traded right when everyone else did, but at the same time, with this sort of thing, you usually know quite a while ahead if something's going to happen." Yeah, and stars move all the time. Where the NHL, every GM seems absolutely petrified at the idea of moving players, and right. so like you're right. The, it takes two to tango. I get that, but like you, you've stockpiled too much. Right, trades do happen. We've seen them. Detroit has made them. Ottawa has made them. Two of your kind of rivals in, 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 in the rising big one. Yeah, in the rising of the East, Vancouver, who went from like a true tire fire last year, right, to hey, okay, like you're the favorites to win the President's Trophy. This is phenomenal. And that's the other thing too. You, they, they got a new GM and. I, I don't want them to make moves to make moves. You have to you have to make uncomfortable decisions. Not in the sense of, oh, I don't know if we should do this. In the sense of, hey, this might ruffle some feathers, but we have to do this for the direction of the franchise. And that was what Vancouver did when they traded for mm-hmm. Elias Lindholm. Yeah. Yeah. They made a big trade. They traded a pros- a big time prospect and they traded, I think, a couple picks. Mm-hmm. But they got their guy. And yeah. and look at them now. They're one of the best teams in the NHL. And it was a quick turnaround because right. that's how it works in hockey. And they didn't really, I mean, not to say they didn't really need that, but they didn't really need that. No, like, they didn't goal, need to make that trade. Their but goalie they, started playing better, right. and all their offensive pieces played exactly how you expect them to. They and made that, boom, they they made that trade because it was, hey, we're playing good enough to make a playoff push here and make the playoffs. We need to get something to help us succeed in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the difference between Vancouver and other teams like the Sabres, like the Coyotes, like mm-hmm. the... I mean, it's really those two. Columbus Blue Jackets, Blue Jackets yeah. I don't know. But, but like they're, they stay bad. They're not doing anything to make their roster better now. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're just sitting there hoping all of them develop at the same time in the exact same trajectory and don't move. And it's just, it's a losing strategy. Got to take a quick time out here. When we come back, we'll take your calls on the Sabres. Where do we go next from them? How do we fix them? What do you expect to happen at the trade deadline, this offseason, the rest of the way? Love to hear your thoughts. 803-0550 is the number to call. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out here for the next hour and a half on the Extra Point Show, and you're listening to WGR.